This is Andrew Hall. You're listening to Dead Hand Radio. My guests for this episode are Jeremy McGowan and Sean Cahill. This recording took place on site in Las Vegas, the night before Jeremy and Sean set out on their quest in pursuit of unidentified aerial phenomena, and it commemorates the launch of their new project. Along with a team of talented professionals, a camera crew, and the use of some high-tech instruments, including a Skyhub unit mounted to an off-road vehicle named Osiris, these two are attempting to locate, observe, and document anomalous activity in our skies. During our conversation, we get into why and how the OSIRIS project came into being and what the goals are for the project. We discussed how this expedition has evolved from one man's passion for documenting the phenomena into building a team of professionals and ultimately becoming a full-blown film production. We talk about the support team and their various roles, some of the locations and people they'll meet along the way, and we detail what it could mean should they succeed in their quest for truth not only for the team, but for all those following the story as it unfolds. And now, I invite you to join me for an all-new UFO edition of Dead Hand Radio and find out more about these extraordinary individuals and their pursuit of UAP. Thanks for listening. This is Dead Hand Radio, and I'm here with Sean Cahill, Jeremy McGowan, on their inaugural night before they start the uh, venture on hunting UFOs with the Osiris Project, the, the mobile Skyhub unit, the first in existence as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. First yeah, of its First one, first... Uh, first it's like the Ecto One from Ghostbusters, man. It's, uh, How excited are you about this? I am stoked. I uh, I got in yesterday, and Jeremy and I we just met for the first time yesterday. So I landed, and I knew you know he's texting me. I knew where the baggage claim was. And I saw him, and I recognized him. We immediately, you know, got the good bro hug in. But I wanted to see the Osiris because it's this what Jeremy is able to do is so far outside the realm of what I'm capable of um, that it blows my mind. He is he is a mad scientist with, without the mad. He's just, he's got it right. Um, I'll let him explain the what, what the Osiris is, but let me just say that I'm, I'm not a techie. I'm a words guy and a big, big picture plan guy, and he's amazing. Everybody needs a mad scientist like this. <laughs> Jeremy's incredible. Man, I, I, I wish I could take credit for it, man, but I'm, I'm just riding on the coattails of people that have, that have developed and designed this stuff. I just, uh, I just looked at what they built and I said, shit, let's put this on wheels. Wow. So, I mean, you can't, well, you can't say that without giving a shout out to Steve McDaniel Steve, Steve McDaniels, and everybody else the, at Sky The guys Hub. at Skyhub, absolutely. They, they developed the Skyhub unit, which is, uh, uh, a, a sensor stack that incorporates uh, visual recognition, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and everything. And it was designed to go on your roof of your house or out in the pasture field or, or you know, some sort of steady state type of environment. And I looked at it and I was like, man, I am not that patient. I, I want to drive this thing. So that's exactly what I did. I started drilling holes in the roof of my car and shoving wires and antennas through it, and I integrated a Skyhub into my vehicle. 
Yeah, I've seen only photos of it. I haven't seen the actual unit itself. But uh, uh, what impressed me when was when you gave the the uh, talk for the MUFON group. Yeah, he came yeah. to the local came to the local MUFON group and presented the the uh, um, the Sky Hub. Mm-hmm. And this dude is a techie. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm like. No, I, 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 yeah, she, I am surrounded you by know people your in my, stuff. No, man, I'm, I'm surrounded by people in my daily life who, who make me look like I'm, I'm Chucky playing with Play-Doh. You know, I just, <laughs> that's cute, but you had a Geiger counter already. Okay. And that's just, so that's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I, I acquire <laughs> devices here and there. I mean, I mean, when I pulled out these microphones, you knew. The brand. Sennheiser, man, this is good stuff. You got you some the quality okay, stuff. I didn't even know the brand. Yeah. I didn't know what brand to get. I just went to the store, talked to the guy, said, I need some mics that I can connect to my H5. Yeah. He said, get these. Yeah. Well, okay, well, I'll get you those. You got the man. right ones. Well, 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 we haven't been able to stump you yet, and you've been, you've been stumping Skyhub the whole time. I mean, we were on top of a mountain today, and... There's no cell signal or anything, but somehow his vehicle has Wi-Fi and he's got an Iridium phone. So anyway, we we're just up in the chat looking for help from Skyhub, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm on a mountain taking pictures of a mobile UAP detection unit with my drone while chatting to the the programmers who developed it. It's just this is because of Jeremy, and yeah. he's not going to take credit. He won't let himself take credit for this, but. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him, but Jeremy would. Yeah. If you and I weren't here talking tonight, Jeremy would be cranking a wrench under that hood, putting yeah. laser cannons on the back of it, <laughs> and, and a tractor beam on the front. You might need those, huh? <laughs> I, I might have those. <laughs> I, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Um, so, you know, that brings up a, a ton of questions for me, but... Uh, the, the the brainchild for making this into a movie, I know it was your idea to put it on wheels mm-hmm. and to go out and take it to remote places and do the tracking. Yeah. Whose idea was it to make a movie out of it? Man, that, that is, you know, I'm still trying to figure all this out. So I, I have been developing a little bit of a following, not through any effort of my own on, on Twitter. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with some of the previous, uh, uh, experiences I've had here with with you on Dead Hand Radio and and some of the other podcasts that I've done and and I uh, I had a guy reach out to me. His name is Jake Mann, and uh, it's I'd, redacted. Yeah, yeah. I had never heard of him before, and awesome I had never YouTube channel. I had never Good listened guy. to his or watched his YouTube channel. Uh, never never heard of it because uh, you know I've said it before. I've never gone down this rabbit hole. I wasn't the UFO guy. I didn't read the books. I didn't know the key players or anything. But anyway, this guy, Jake Mann, calls me up and he's like, hey, you know, I'd, I'd like to get you on. I'd like to talk to you about this and, and things like that. And I find out that he's a, uh, a producer and he's done a lot of, uh, a lot of productions uh, for his own YouTube channel called It's Redacted. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's put something together. Let's, uh, let's talk about it and let's see where it goes. And he had known that I was working on the Skyhub unit and that I was uh, just kind of tweaking things. And I told him what my plan was, that I was going to drive around and visit whatever areas I could get access to and, and try to study them with the Skyhub unit. 
and he just kind of he he just kind of jumps on board and was like, "Man, let's make a film about this. Let's 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 do this as you know part of a a YouTube Red distribution or or put it up as a webisode or or something like that." And and uh, it just it just kind of grew from there. And then we got uh, another phone call. Or I got another phone call from I believe in humans, and uh, these guys are are cinematographers and and directors. And they have the actual camera gear and the equipment and full crews, and they've done things for Netflix original series, and they've shot music videos for Shania Twain, and you know they they brought the the the, the cinemagraphic expertise in that that we didn't have, and where we were looking at this as, as shooting on it with iPhones and GoPros, they're they're bringing in Red Epics and stuff now. Nice. Yeah, we, wow. We kind of bumped. We had been talking on the phone for a while, and. Um, Jeremy was talking to to Jake and Justin and these guys and I didn't know at the time that Jeremy was already talking to to Steve and the other folks at Skyhub and that was when I got involved with and came on with um, Skyhub as an advisor for a little while and me and Steve started talking about developing a a media campaign just some some short hits for them and I thought that it would be most advantageous for us to find someone, a person, who was building a Sky Hub and, and go along that journey with them. And it turned out Jeremy was, I can't remember if you were already building it when, mm-hmm. when you and I, okay, you were, I think you were like, oh, well, I'm already doing that. Yeah, I think, it, and Andrew, you're the guy that introduced me to Sky Hub. Thanks. It was on your podcast. And, That's really neat. And you had asked me a question about what I thought was was necessary in the next step of disclosure and I had I can't remember the exact words I said but I said something along the lines of that we needed some sort of standardized reporting and recording mm-hmm. platform that you know everybody from from Belarus to Moscow to Argentina could use the exact same type of stuff so we could get rid of shaky iPhone videos and things like that and that's when you looked up at me and you were like have you heard of Skyhub mm-hmm. I'm like no I haven't and while we were on, while I was recording the podcast with you over Zoom on my other monitor, I was like Googling skyhub.com and I was like, or skyhub.org. And I was like, what is this? And I was, I was reading it as we're on the, uh, on the podcast. And I think uh, probably before the end of the week was up, I had started ordering parts. Yeah. yeah we, um, it, was, it was just, it really worked out perfectly because um, it's funny because Jake from uh it's redacted was also helping out skyhub mm-hmm. and he was helping them out from a media standpoint but in a little different direction and so it ended up being one of those things where we we kind of threw a few duties around with each other and traded a few things and then then i was in a chat with jeremy and jake and then we had this this chat called the project or something like yeah. that we weren't sure the, what it was going to be project. yeah and um we were trying to figure figure out not make the same mistakes we've seen other people make, not redo things that we've already done. We don't want to be redundant. We're not, in a, again, uh, one of the words that's going around uh, UFO Twitter this week is, is infotainment because uh, mm-hmm. Lou's yeah. been talking about it on, um, on uh, Ryan Sprague's podcast. And um, because infotainment is information that's entertaining. It doesn't have to be completely dry. We're mm-hmm. not talking about nonsense or BS. But I, I digress with that. We... Uh, we realized that we were all doing the same thing. And Jeremy was kind of like, well, 
you should still come out here. We should still do this. And he's like, what are you doing afterward? And I said, well, I'm heading on to somebody else's house for another project. And um, I was like, but you guys, if you guys need any help, let me know. And I never saw myself sitting in the, in the, in the right seat. We had a couple of other people we were talking to and, and thought maybe um, things were going to go in a, in a possibly different direction. Before you know it, Jeremy and was kind of like, you want to come with me? And um, I was like, well, wow, yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. I would love to come with you. Like, I hadn't even considered it. And from that day on, it just... Yeah, it's... It has been almost magical. I mean... <laughs> it, I've, I've started a lot of projects over the course of my almost... 50 years of existence and I've had companies in South America and I've started and failed a lot of things and some of them succeeded but I, I remember that none of them were easy everything throws up roadblocks in front of you man I, I mean whether it's funding or getting people to, to buy into your vision or investors or, or whatever it is it, it there's always an issue there's always a roadblock and for some reason there has not been a no. There has not been anybody stepping up and saying, don't do this, or I don't believe in it, or I'm not going to give you the time of day, or anybody that I've talked to, anybody that we've talked to, anybody that we've worked with was like, yeah, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's, it's weird. It's, it's the feeling like the universe is saying, we want you to do this. <laughs> yeah. It, it, there have... Um... I don't want to say it's been easy, but um, from my standpoint, it has. Um, for, because Jer between Jeremy and Jake, they're both just incredibly tenacious networkers. Um, I'm somebody who's going to think about something that takes 10 seconds for an hour sometimes. Um, I can definitely overthink some things. Jeremy is the kind of guy that picks up the phone and just asks. He just finds out who has the answer. He calls them immediately and he asks. And if they say they don't know, he asks them who to call next. And he doesn't stop until he gets the answer he needs. And it's insane because it's it's almost like someone said to you, you know, do you believe that you could keep adding one to one and get bigger numbers? And you're like, no, nah, it's got to stop somewhere. No, Jeremy does not stop. He yeah. just keeps yeah. adding on to this thing that he's building until it, it, it has it has a life of its own. Um, we, we keep getting bombarded. I, it's, it gets a little weird, but everybody's like, I can't believe that the thing we discussed needing at 9 a.m. this morning called me by itself and showed up, you know, <laughs> and then landed on my doorstep, sight unseen. Yeah. So. yeah it's, it's, there's a lot of serendipity or synchronicities mm -hmm. in this. It's, yeah. it's mind-blowing. Well, it's, uh, it's certainly a, a heavily anticipated project uh that people I, I mean you guys set up that that twitter channel for the project itself yeah un mm -hmm. untitled uap yeah and uh, within a couple of days you had over 500 subscribers yeah. right or followers on it and, and it's untitled uap simply because we don't have a name for it yeah yeah we, we um we've been really fortunate um both of us were given an opportunity really early on to to just be ourselves um, that other TV show we did, Unidentified, um, both of us got to be ourselves. And Lou, Lou made really sure to safeguard our integrity and, and how we were seen. Yeah. But after that, it was up to us how we spoke to people, how we present ourselves to people. And um, when Jeremy first reached out to me on Twitter, 
Um, I didn't know who he was. I hadn't actually, I hadn't, um, I had actually seen his episode. Mm-hmm. I'd actually watched it with Lou. And funny enough, Lou was texting Jeremy the wisecracks that I was making about the show or something while we were watching it. But um, uh, I asked Lou, I was like, who is this guy? And he's like, oh, that's, that's you two years ago. He's like, he is exactly in the spot you were at. And I was like, oh, this dude needs a friend. <laughs> um, this dude needs somebody to talk to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, he was like, yeah, man, give him a call. And very, I got, I've got a, a, a very strong handful of friends. Uh, another one of them sitting in the room with us in, in the back as, as, a, as our audience tonight. And he'll be one of the first people to tell you that I don't pick up the phone. And, and he's somebody I, I'd, I'd love for sure. Like, I, I keep him around, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't pick up the phone. Maybe five days have gone by in the last six months that I haven't talked to this guy, whether uh, in text or on voice. I, I talk to Sean probably more than I talk to my wife. Wow. And we have almost opposite political views. Not completely. We, 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 have, we have a middle ground in, in, in our moral and, and worldview that I think both of us hold on to very dearly. Very, you know. It's because we both have kids. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, no, most, most certainly. It, it's, it's that, and I think it's our, um, our background in, in you know, serving in the military, mm-hmm. that we have a common, um, there's, there's a common understanding that, that, it, that, it, that there's a mission, at, at each point there's a mission to be seen and there's compromise to get the mission done. And so we, I don't anticipate any kind of um, any kind of friction because of that. I think that we're actually going to be able to find answers that we wouldn't have been able to otherwise by shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah, I, one of the reasons that I had asked Sean to participate in this, uh, this whatever this is, uh, is I told him because we had been talking for for months prior to me saying hey do you want to come on board with this and I told him that I was like not only do I I want you as part of this project but I'm fairly certain that I need you as part of this project because I am I am a hammer I'm not a humanistic type of guy there's there's a, a vast majority of the population that I don't really like I don't like people that much. And this is a guy who makes YouTube videos about meditation and, and loving your neighbor and, and everything that I'm not. And when I go out and I end up inevitably in front of somebody who is proclaiming that they can do CE5 protocols and, and call down something, I mean, my brain my brain wants to look at them and punch them in the throat and call them out on their crap. And I need Sean to be able to temper that and to give me the opportunity to hear those people out. I, I think Jeremy's really hard on himself, but I understand where he's coming from. And um, I'm not a big fan of people who say my journey, but in this case, I think it's a pretty um, pretty accurate statement that my my journey from... The well from 2004 to the, the you know the Tic Tac incident in 2004 all the way up to 2017 when when Lou and everybody stepped out on stage and that infamous New York Times article hit um, to now that the learning curve at some point becomes I often say it becomes almost vertical because 
there's you nearly need a collegiate level of understanding in such a such a major amount of disparate areas that it's impossible almost impossible that anyone would have put all these areas together into one thing but all of the research shows that we're, we're dealing with with something that that doesn't necessarily have a pinpoint answer to it and so to wrap our heads around it I, I almost think it's going to take all of us and I know 8 billion of anything should be able to solve any problem out there but I think it's going to take almost that many perspectives um, how, how do you get that many people to work together though that's well, that's that's, that's where the learning curve is, and I think the first thing needs to begin with education. And that I think that we've seen the last couple of years, a lot of us, including yourself and Jeremy, we've worked really hard to destigmatize the subject. Mm -hmm. And you're, you've moved into the subject. You're you've you're one of those folks that went. There might be something legitimate here, and I've got a completely understandable mainstream message. And you've been courageous enough to to try something new. Um, we have to educate people that first of all this is real secondly not to be ashamed of it um, and thirdly none of us know what's going on so come on up with your weird stories but let's stop telling each other that all of our anecdotal stories are true right um, because they might be a memory and they might feel like a true event to each of us as individuals but until the time that we can actually prove an anecdotal uh, event to another human being it is just that and it's not fair for us to tell someone else that, that we know the truth right. because we saw it yeah and yeah. we don't even know we don't even know how to define truth yet the, the truth may well be at an individual level and your truth might be different from my truth might be different from Sean's truth based on how we observe the world yeah. you know who who is to say that this microphone color that I think all three of us are going to say is the color blue. Who's to say that it looks the right. same to you as it does to you as it does to me? Right. My reality could be completely different from yours. Um, so I think one of the first things that that we want to accomplish in in this film project is to help create a baseline of education for the general population and I don't mean just Americans I mean this this planet mm -hmm. we need to create a fundamental baseline layer that everybody can can look at and say okay I can accept this mm -hmm. what's next and then we, we just gradually raise that bar a little bit every step that we go and as we find answers we figure out how to incorporate those answers into the stair step that we're building for for the general population i'm not sure how many days we are into the 180 day um uaptf report uh expe the expectation of that date um probably somewhere around the 160 range um but i look to the uaptf and and they're the report that's coming out to really just drop a huge piece of bedrock down for us to start building upon because it's going to be only the second or third time that any government um, any major government in the world has admitted that unidentified aerial phenomena as Lou said recently not balloons not un unmanned aerial systems not 
not Russia, not, not China, not Russia, not China. Um, that's something completely unknown and <clears throat> frankly unaccounted for in any arsenal was operating. Now, the government has agreed, and I don't like usually usually like saying the government as an edifice, but our government has agreed to give us some answers on that for the first time. Not everyone understands that. That's still something that's that's not coming out on all of the news shows. Um, some of them have picked it up already um, that are more concerned with, with defense-related items, but not all of them have. And so that's that's another place that we have to start. So I think part of the vision that Jeremy and I have for this is that we have a, we have a little bit more insight. Not anyone else's truth, but a little bit more insight. Mm -hmm. And so if we're able to put our money and our equipment and, and, and our our time on the line to go out there and put ourselves in positions where we can meet people, have the conversations and, and have demonstrations, conduct experiments and, and learn about the history of some of these things, especially within the heartland of the United States. People are going to understand that. They're going to be able to learn along with it and resonate it. And if they take that in, con in concert with, with what the UAPTF and other governmental entities that are going to end up getting involved in this because it's getting a great deal of attention. Yeah. Um, that's that. I believe that's where the education is going to really open up, and people are going to start really beginning to express themselves and tell us what they've what they've yeah. been through. And, and the government has always been lacking on its ability to educate. The government can train, the government can act. The government's not really good on education, so I think. I think that responsibility is going to fall onto the civilian population to be able to bootstrap themselves into a position of understanding. And if, if, if people like Sean and I can, can get in there and if we can understand it in a way that we can turn around and, and help explain it, I think that we can fill a gap that, uh, that the population needs. Yeah, you guys, you were talking about establishing a baseline of education for the the general population. There, there, there's already a, a wider acceptance acceptance of the UFO phenomena, um, and and within the growing community of the UFO community, that community is growing gradually and slowly. What do you think it's going to take to to reach a, a broader audience? I mean, we've had New York Times talking about it. We've had um, television news outlets talking about it, but we still have the majority, the the vast majority of people in our country alone. Not not even talking about uh, you know countries like China, which you know those those people don't even get the truth from their government. What do you think it's going to take to, to, first of all, get that word out on a broader scale? And then also to, to have it accepted by those people that are hearing it. I think that that's going to be very challenging because what we need to be doing at this point is, is mending bridges, building more bridges and bringing more people into this conversation. And, and I, there's, there's some cadres within the UFO community. Some won't speak to people who were formerly military because they believe that we're part of some greater cover-up complex. Um, sorry to say, we're just your friends, neighbors, brothers, and sisters. Even people yeah. on the civilian side of the world is are, are like that. I, I've sure. gotten accused numerous times of, of being part of a cover-up operation. Right. So right. there's a, a stigmatism. Yes. Or a stigma. I don't know what the right word is. Sure. Um, 
directed at people that are prior military. Well, so they're trying to, there, to are, there are people that believe, and rightfully so, that a civilian observer is as accurate or as valuable as a military military trained observer, um, because, and that's not necessarily the case. But in 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 a lot of circumstances, it could. You could be a police officer, or a private investigator, or you could be uh, somebody who whose whose career field is dealing with details and pattern recognition. But by and large, for the most part, we go through the military folks go through a process by which we understand the fallibility of our senses and we have training to compensate for that. Um, but sadly, these, these people that believe this are, are looking at us because of our involvement in the military that we have been somehow co-opted into covering, uh, covering for the, the phenomenon and, and, and making it an, an obscure idea. Well, and then we, we have to also... We're, we're talking obviously about polarized groups, you know, the edges of things. I don't want to say fringe because that, that usually gives it a negative tone. But we're talking about people who, who chose to join the military and serve and have an interaction with the phenomenon are certainly at one end of this conversation. But the greater experiencer, the self identified experiencer community, is a very it, it's an excellent snapshot of the diversity of humanity within the differences of opinion claims um it's it's the bridging the gap between those of us who have given let, let's say official reports to an investigative agency about uap versus someone who has had a lot of experiences and has started a blog or something. In the end, the American public is going to listen to the folks that probably served with the government as a whole. I don't think that we need to have those two groups be completely separate. I think that, that the two groups actually need to see where, where they overlap. Yeah, and it may not be as much of a trained observer as a trained communicator. Yeah, because it, yeah. in the military, you know, we're we're dealing with, as well in the American military, we're dealing with what twenty to thirty different cultures at any given time, mm -hmm. uh, and then our stations that we have that we've been deployed to, we're all over the planet, so we have to be able to understand how to interact and talk to everybody from all walks of life, and and somebody who may have grown up in in the bayou of of southern Louisiana and had a legitimate experience, they may not understand how to express that and how to get that version of their truth out to the rest of the, the public. So I think in some ways in some ways UAP needs a separation of church and state. Yeah. We need we need to there's a lot of this that people have their feelings tied up into. They have their spirituality, they have their safety and and, and for some people their their sense of adoration or worship is tied up in this it's not the same for everybody i don't worship unidentified aerial phenomenon my my personal spiritual practices are personal but i try really hard not to have them bleed into the science and the evidentiary value of this so i would really love to see all of us be willing to delineate between those spiritual aspects and the nuts and bolts science aspects and unfortunately, I meet a lot of charismatic people 
who tr have very deeply held beliefs who refuse to talk about the nuts and bolts aspect without the spiritual aspect. And it, it, it makes it hard to, to get across to everybody. That's, I think, the nicest way I could put it. We, we alienate a lot of folks when we're not willing to stay on topic. Is there... I, I know what my opinion of it is, mm -hmm. but... When, when you talk about the, the spiritual aspect of it and the nuts and bolts aspect of it, um, is there a separation? I mean, well, I think there is in our culture. <laughs> okay. Because if I told you that it took faith of some kind, I'm just making this up as I go along right now. I'm trying to form a metaphor while we're talking, so I don't want anybody to be thinking I'm giving a truth or something okay. like that here. But if I told you that it took... Uh, faith and intention to drive your car you'd say I was crazy and you so the nuts and bolts aspect is the car but if I told you that it took attention to drive your car then you might agree with me and if I started changing the words around you might agree with me that it takes more than just your hands <clears throat> and a driver's license and a little bit of knowledge to drive your car it takes spatial awareness it takes an almost sixth sense about when that kid's going to jump out into the street from behind that tree and all of those other things. Those are the very edges of our perception when it comes to, to this life. That's about as far as most of us get into weird things like that. But there seems to be an aspect of this phenomenon that is able to enter and exit this reality. Now, to me, that's indicative of another place in this reality that I that it was in for a period of time or another state that it was in for a period of time that I don't have direct access to the only place that I can think of that I have direct access to that's anything like that is my dreamscape now I'm someone who practices meditation and practices some of the more esoteric forms of meditation that allow you to, to anecdotally maintain consciousness in what most people would consider a body asleep mind awake state and I can say from anecdotally that that's a very different place than where most of us spend our, our daily lives. So to me, there is, I'm pretty sure that there is an elsewhere. And I'm pretty sure that this phenomenon engages in that elsewhere with a heck of a lot more control than I'm able to. And, um, and frankly, after explaining all that, I think I forgot the question. Well, the, the question is kind of a, a bifurcation between the nuts and bolts oh, right, and, right, and yes. the phenomena aspect. And, and while I am accepting, accepting with an A, everything that, that Sean is, is putting forth, I also have a personal feeling that there is a very tangible nuts and bolts aspect, not to the phenomenon, but I think that there is something happening outside of the phenomena. I, I truly believe that there are probably space-faring civilizations that use ballistic propulsion of some sort to travel the universe, and they've been here, maybe they are here, they're coming back. I don't know, but I think that that's probably separate from what we're classifying as the phenomenon, but also erroneously lumping in this nuts and bolts into the umbrella of the phenomenon. And I think it's separate, and I... I actually believe that the nuts and bolts spacefaring civilizations are more than likely just as subject to the phenomena as we are. Well, I think that's a that's 
that's where our two worldviews, I think, mesh really well. Is because that that is essentially what I was talking about. In that, whatever we call the phenomena that is not a spaceship, hmm. the the quote unquote weirder aspects of this. I have a feeling that that those things and the nuts and bolts things that we want to call spaceships are utilizing the same medium in the way that we utilize the ocean, fish utilize the ocean, birds utilize the ocean, but not all of us live in that medium. We utilize it for travel or for ease of travel. I mean, for a long time, most of our goods moved on the sea. Mm-hmm. And we're not, we don't, we are not an aquatic species, at, at, not for a long time, it, it would seem. But that, it just brings me around to the fact that when we talk about a learning curve, there are people that are saying the phenomenon that are putting all of those things under the same umbrella. And to other people, the phenomenon only means one shape of spaceship and one kind of alien that's their flavor. And I don't usually use the word alien, but for ease of use, we'll, I'll say that tonight. So I don't know what that means. I, as, a, as, a, as an investigator and a police officer, I've taken so many state witness statements about the phenomenon in the past couple of years from people. And <clears throat> the only thing that I'm sure of is it's real. I couldn't tell you what what color, flavor, size, shape, spin, or or language it speaks. I, I, I there are some things that fall out. You know, they, there is an affinity to water. I think we've all learned that there is an affinity to our our nuclear assets. Mm. I'm really interested to see more international data come through on that. But um, but I, I we're dealing with something that for the first time we're looking at it in the face, and it's not going to be one thing. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's one of the aspects that we're really looking at in this in this film project is to be able to, if all goes well, to be able to classify and compartmentalize and separate uh, different aspects of, of the phenomena into their own subcategories. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the manifestations of dire wolves and skinwalkers into one category, the the, the manifestation or the appearance of triangles and saucers into a different category or maybe two different categories and and to be able to really really break it down into a way that that people can start seeing the different layers and the different density that that this exists with how about if you guys talk about a little bit about some of the methods you're going to use to mm. test and and uh do you, do you have a well? Okay, so is that your hypothesis then going into this? We project? have some that are proprietary. We uh, we don't we don't want to necessarily mention, but I think it's obvious that um, based on what we were just talking about a minute ago, that it would seem that there's an interest in our our nuclear facilities. Yeah. It was pretty obvious to Jeremy and I that well, what we're able to measure about our nuclear facilities is certain radiation, gamma and, and X-ray radiation, and on the other hand. The obvious nature of the things that are contained there and their, their destructive abilities, whether it be a weapon or, or the, a, um, an accidental uh, meltdown at a, at a reactor, those are, those are a big deal. So um, as of right now, Occam's Razor tells us those are the only things that we can figure out that sure. we're looking for. So we're interested in legal means of reproducing those signatures to see if, the, if, if it's possible to, to bait the phenomenon. 
the means of doing that in a legal and safe fashion have proven to be pretty complicated so far. Yeah. It, historically, humanity in, in, in the media, television shows and movies and such have always been passively recording things. You know, hoping to, to see something appear in the sky or, or grabbing witnesses' cell phone recording and shaky, blurry video and, and putting that off and, and showing it. But I'm personally very tired in being passive about this. I, I want to poke the bear. I, I want to see if we can, you know, put out a bird call and, and mm-hmm. catch the wren. You guys are the this uh, this venture that you're going on is for a week. Is is that all the filming that you're no, going to do? No, no. This is we've we've broken it down into several several different shoots, and this first week is just simply shoot one. Uh, shoot two, and and any subsequent shoots are going to be uh, more location and investigative based. But shoot one is is. Shoot one's going to be pretty special. Yeah, I think it's people are going to um, look back on it and be be really happy that they got to be a part of it. Um, I would say that shoot two is where the rubber's really going to hit the road. Mm-hmm. Um, the witnesses and spokespersons that Jeremy and Jake and Justin and du- and, and Dustin have reached out and networked with are incredible. Whether um, <clears throat> former members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, um, major players within remote viewing and special forces within the government. Even tribal uh, Native American Native American uh, Indians that were part of Lockheed Martin Skunk Works yeah. or, or Douglas Aircraft and and leaders of the uh, the Mormon Church community just trying to get in an all-encompassing view that can help us lay that that baseline the fact that um that some of our indigenous elders are, are willing to invite us they and we've been invited um we've made very clear that that we intend to safeguard the, the dignity of, of, of their traditions at all costs to the point where if it's contrary this is one of the few places that i, I would say jeremy and i would not bring forth evidence that we had if it was contrary to, to the dignity of, of the indigenous people of, of North and South America. Yeah, uh, to that point, we, we have made a pact amongst ourselves that at any point in time that we recover information, that we find information, unless we are physically or legally prevented from doing so, we're going to show the world what we've found. Absolutely. I mean, our, our sky cloud, or excuse me, our, the um, sky hub, it goes directly to the cloud. Yeah. We can't stop the data that we collect. From we don't even out. own the data. No, we don't. Right. It's 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 dang. Near, I mean, it's Skyhub owns it. Yeah. But Steve has no intention of making any of that data secret. No, he, not he at all. He is vehemently against yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so your level of commitment, um, and I'll, I'll pose it to you in a question like this. If you guys go out for a whole week and you don't record anything other than what's already out there, you know, planes and satellites and things that we know about, mm-hmm. what is your level of commitment going forward if 
you guys hit a big well, zero on this one. I, I think that we have to understand that shoot one is not investigative. Uh, shoot two is going to be investigative. And I think that, and this will all be clear once people hear this and they see the, the, the show or the, the, the series and they look back on this ep- this interview, that based on what happens in shoot one and where we go in shoot two, I'm going to be surprised if we don't find something. I would agree with that completely. But um, at the same time, we have been we have been smart enough, if I may say so, to set out a framework where we will we will shoot the framework that we've set out. We've left enough room for creativity and individuality and serendipity to to come to play. But I, I think one of the things that you're asking is is what happens if if X amount of time goes by and we haven't made any progress. Um, I can tell you that one thing that's not going to happen with me, and I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm speaking for Jeremy. I see him nodding right here. We don't intend to make careers in ufology. We're not looking to be ufologists. I am never going to come out with a book or a tape or a show or a series and sell you truth for $333.33. Yeah, I am not going to do that. If I don't have anything, you're not going to get anything. Yeah, it's... Um, it's hard to explain, and I don't want to disparage anybody else, but I can see within ufology that there are folks who had genuine experiences that changed their world. And then in many ways, it seemed like they chased that dragon for years and never caught it. For some, it seems like they were willing to blur the lines of credibility to get a little bit more of that dopamine. And for other folks, it's a desperate search for more. Um, I'm a pensioner. I mean, I, I'm. Neither of us have made a, have made a, a nickel off of, the, off of these these ventures so far, and in fact, both of us are thousands and thousands of dollars invested into this. Yeah, Andrew, how come you're not paying us for this? <laughs> Man, when the day I get paid for it, you guys will get your stipend. <laughs> okay. I, I can tell you this: that if I fear that my that my integ- that I can't that my integrity isn't going to be leading and that my authenticity isn't going to be leading, you're just not going to see me anymore. Yeah, I'm going to go I, home. I, I have always said that I am in this for my personal answers. And I was building an integrated mobile sky hub before I had a director and a producer and mm-hmm. a damn good friend involved with this. And I was going to go out and I was going to half-ass this thing uh, and, and try to figure out answers for myself without any support whatsoever we're gonna hold for the record now. yeah for the record jeremy's half ass is like it's amazing <laughs> 11 <laughs> for for most people well, well well now like sean said we're gonna hold ass this thing and and because we have a film crew because we have producers and directors and 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 some of the the most amazing professionals in the industry possible um it's not about the money it's about the access now yeah my producer can call up you know a, a curator from a museum and say you know hey this is this is what we're doing are you interested in, in working with us whereas before it would have just been some some dummy with a gmail account that nobody's ever heard of asking the exact same questions and getting shut down yeah. so the the train enables the process well and and we definitely feel like there's a burden we carry and i don't mean to put it say burden like oh my god we're martyrs we know that a lot of people 
are looking at this whole thing vicariously through the two of us. They're counting on us to be real. They're counting on us to tell them the truth, to look them in the eye and not bullshit them. And uh, that's man, that's that's important to me. Yeah. That's really important to me. Yeah, I don't I don't want to put a, put out anything that's not true, that's not real, and. I know it's going to be virtually impossible to do so because getting something on film once is hard, yeah. if, if not unheard of. I, I want to repeat it, and I want to repeat it multiple times because I want to show that this is a repeatable, verifiable thing that, that is, is De- happening. Debunkable. With yes. All, yeah, with all of the things that we've... That we've "Quote unquote," preached in the last couple of years about knowing what's in the sky, knowing your 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 radar, knowing what's on infrared. You know, understanding the, the spectrum and how it operates. We're we're we want people to prove us wrong. We want people to see what we are calling authentic, and if we're wrong, we're the first ones that will agree and take it down. Yeah. So, um, it's got we're tr- we're riding a fine line between um that need to advertise because you want to get the word out there yeah uh and entertainment and sensationalism unfortunately are our are, are bedfellows and we don't want any sensationalism right. we don't mind entertaining right. but um it's tough because we all grew up in the same world i think some of the things that we all expect to see on tv and that feel natural and everything else they're entertainment unfortunately yeah and we, we don't want to be a boring docu follow I mean, Sean's a cut-up. I'm a cut-up to a point. I guess I'm the straight guy in this. Not, well, we won't even go there. But <laughs> Oh, boy, Jerry. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to have fun doing this. <laughs> and, and I certainly hope that the fun comes across. So it, it sounds to me like the, the documentary is more about searching for the truth rather than um actually proving anything it it's both really i think um one if we find the truth we need to prove the truth uh and and i don't even know if it's a documentary uh it is i don't even know if we know what it is yet well i we set out when i say we i mean everybody but jeremy um we talk about it that this is jeremy's journey and that this is jeremy's story and None of us like the spotlight being put on too much, so I, I won't I won't stick on him too much. But it really is because we're picking this up with Jeremy's questions, and it's it's Jeremy's organic nature in this that's driving us forward to ask new questions. And so I'm going to be sitting next to him. But this is really about honestly watching Jeremy as he goes along and learns these things and talks to these people for the first time, has his impressions. And comes to his conclusions and the conversations that we have have in that framework. But I think that we've just been really lucky with our group of folks is that we've we've put enough mile markers down the highway that we won't get lost on that journey. So while it's not a manipulative narrative of any sort, there there is a sense that it has to flow, it has to make sense, but since we're putting this onus of authenticity on top of it, um, it's even more important that we hit those wickets along the way. So the provability aspect, um, we'd be billionaires if we could prove this this phenomenon. 
granted that's not what the two of us are, are aiming for but that's how big that would be if, if someone were able to prove something um, I'm very fine as, fond of saying that the proof is personal because there's all of us can agree in this room without without picking a divisive item that there are things that people in our country disagree upon that some of us know to be true and others are sure that they're false so we found ourselves in a world where the, where the truth is kind of broken so I, I don't think either of us are setting out making a claim that we would prove anything we want to bring a lot of evidence to the table and we want everybody else to help us decide what we're seeing yeah there are there are so many issues that i have with other programs uh i, I won't name them by name just I don't want to disparage them or, or their producers or anything like that. But there are programs that are out there that just posit hypotheticals. And what if this was true? And what if that was true? And maybe maybe this occurred, maybe it didn't. That's not where I want to go with this. You know, like I, like I said before, I, I want to find evidence, hard evidence that that the plumber in Poughkeepsie can understand just as well as the doctor in Manhattan can digest the information. And everybody comes to the realization that I don't know what it is, but it exists. And if, if I can reach that goal, and if I can get everybody on the same level in basic understanding that my grandmother being a religious person can sit back and say, yes, this phenomena is a thing, then I've accomplished at least that baseline. So you said um, earlier that the uh, the platform, the the making of the... I, I don't know what to call it. it, it I think documentary like works right now because we are going to be documenting a journey. Yeah. So even if there, there are other niche words like docu-follow or infotainment, etc., we're safe saying documentary. Yeah. So the uh, you said you, you said two key words that um, that I kind of I kind of like focused on, and one of them was awareness, hmm. bringing uh, the awareness of the general population as many people as you can, and the the other one was access. It's allowing you guys access to absolutely to different um, <clears throat> other platforms. There are people in this world that know a lot more than what we do. There are probably people in this world that know what is going on. And that have no avenue or, or inclination or talent for taking that information and, and giving it to hundreds of thousands, if not yeah. millions of people. You know, it... it, it there may be a there may be somebody out there that has that million dollar proof yeah and because i now have a film crew following me wherever i go that person may be willing to come out and and put a shape changing meta material in my hand that i can turn from a triangle into a dodecahedron just by thinking about it you know th- that is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I want to go with it. I don't want to be in search of with Leonard Nimoy. I don't want to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, an Indiana Jones type of character. 
I, I want to find people that have answers that I can incorporate into my own idea of what this is. And, and if it along the way that one of our red epic cameras can look up in the sky and see a silver sphere uh, when we're doing one of our experiments, so much the better. Well, and we're not running off of, off of mirthful ideas and, and fantasy here. We have the reports that came out of ATIP yeah. to lead us in the directions that we want to go. And those are very interesting, strange, and esoteric places that most of America thinks nobody researches that. Nobody, that's not real. That's science fiction. And so those things have to be brought to the front of this. That's, the, that's part of the education. It's not enough to come out here and say, there's weird stuff in the sky, yo. We have to be able to say that we have observed the following scientific phenomena in conjunction with, with these things. And um, let me, bad segue, but let me, let me add to that. It was at least 10 or 15 years before America knew that the Wright brothers had achieved flight, let alone the rest of the world. There was a lot of the world that was already being bombed by aircraft before they knew that humanity had achieved flight. Okay. There were plenty of people around the world that probably people that still don't know that man's made it to the moon. So we, keep, we talk in terms of, of teaching 8 billion people, but who we're really talking about is teaching the people who are all carrying one of these little screens or go home to a larger screen or, or people that are informed by what we usually call entertainment. But that's our campfire. That is the campfire, and that is the shaman that teaches us about ourselves. And we've given up a lot of the authority as to who we are to that apparatus. We want to see that mirror, and we want it to tell us who are we, what do we, what do we like, what do we believe. Yeah, there are theories out there that, that talk about the CE5 and the ability to uh, manifest your own reality or manifest the phenomenon through conscious controlled thought and there are programs and schools that claim that they teach you how to do these things and one of the things that I want to do is I want to be trained in this on camera and then go out and sit down in my version of a of a sweat lodge and, and go through the protocols and see if I can do it because if if me if I can do this then I think that that's pretty much definitive proof that anybody can. That's, and if I can't, no data is the same as data. That's one of the whole reasons that I learned to meditate and why I continue to do it and why I think that it's something that, especially in, in the future, will become more important to folks is because in the end, you have to know for yourself. You cannot be told by another person what's real. Yeah. You have to experience it or else you're being led around rather than living. Mm -hmm. And what you and I have talked about doing is simply we want to crack the code to reality and then make it open source for everyone. Yeah. And we may not be able to do all of that by ourselves, but we damn sure can take a bite out of this. Uh, so, okay, you guys are going to be using remote viewers in, in, the, uh, in the search for the truth. Do you, you want to talk a little bit about that? It, it's not so much using the remote viewers in the search for the truth as it is trying to understand how remote viewing works. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm vaguely familiar with the idea, with the concept of it. I want to see it happen. 
And if I can see it happen, I want you to be able to see it happen when I see it happen. Um, it, it's one of the things that I believe that is affected by or combined with this phenomena is the human ability or inability to do remote viewing. And I, I think that, like we discussed earlier, the phenomenon is not just one singular thing. It's, it's, a, it's a variety of different things under one umbrella. And, and if, if we can show that humanity with training, with developed acumen can do remote viewing, then I think that that opens up a whole different path for a lot of people. Remote viewing has a, uh, an interesting connection that's hard to define with UAP. Um, I think it's because the, um, the apparatus throughout the years that has utilized remote viewing has often found itself questioning mysteries. Because if you, if you um, believe that the tool that you're using can look inside the locked box, well, it's just a question of opening your mind as to what a locked box is. And so in a lot of ways, it's ideas and locations and things. Um, I, I think that people will find that um, as time goes by that much like the UAP phenomena and how it was investigated over the course of a century, we're going to find that things like remote viewing are similar in that they were studied and then seemingly put away as useless but only because they were found to be useful and they no longer wanted to share. Hmm. Um, now, it's all, there's also plenty of people out there who claim that they can remote view, and you can find their, their videos on YouTube of them failing wonderfully in front of Vice Channel and, and other <laughs> entities like that. Um, if that's the case, we don't mean, mean to, bring any, to disparage anybody's reputation, but that's what we'll have to show. Yeah. Now, we're really lucky because we've been able to go right to the top with, you know, maybe not Obi-Wan Kenobi, but certainly one of the Jedi Council. And so I, that, that, those are my cute words, but we've, we've got a heavy hitter that wants to speak to us. Uh, someone who's a former trainer from the Defense Intelligence Agency who will legitimately lay out the absolute reality of what it is, or at least from his, from his perspective or from the perspective of his training. Yeah, and, and this, is, this goes back to the idea that you know, we're, we're not trying to use this as a cash cow. We're not trying to really monetize this or, or, or turn this into a, a money grab. This production is what is giving us access to the top remote viewer instructor of the Defense Intelligence Agency. I would not have had that access to this individual directly myself. But because this is a full-blown production, yeah, I'm talking to him. Cool. Cool. You said something else earlier about helping um, people become aware of what their abilities are. Yeah, I there. The common consensus among those who are adept at remote viewing is that it's a talent that's inherent to all of us. Now, like many, th like a lot of things, you know, some of us are more prone to be athletic than others, but all of us are natural runners, given a, a norm. A, pardon me, a, a full and complete human physique. You know, we're all natural marathon runners, whether we like it or not. So that leads me to believe that if these group, if this larger group of people that spent time training to a certain task all agree on that task, even though they have wildly disparate worldviews about perhaps about religion or, or moral views, um, 
then I think that that speaks to something that's natural inside all of us. And if that's something that all of us can cultivate, then it's going to get us closer to understanding who we are. Because if all of us are able to reach out and verify things in our reality in a different way than we were able to, that brings another level of trust amongst all of us. And it brings another level of inherent integrity. If we all know that everyone can check in on you, so to speak, um, I think that would be a really, a really interesting thing to teach everyone. But for, for me, if there are aspects of our, our reality, if there, are, um, if there are talents that we have or abilities that we have that may have been obscured or hidden throughout history for one reason or another, and we can bring those back up, well, then they're surely going to make us understand what it means to be human better than, than holding that information back. You guys have talked a little bit about shamanism and uh, the spiritual aspect, um, connecting with the indigenous um, people. It it just occurred to me that their their um, their vision quest is pretty similar to a remote view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. There are, there are many aspects of many. Um, Many indigenous traditions, whether um, in North or South America, whether in Siberia or Northern Europe or um, areas of Africa, Southeast, I mean, basically the whole world. I mean, I, I could keep, if I name all seven continents, I guess we'd name the whole world. <laughs> um, I don't know about an Antarctic shamanistic tradition, but um, I can say I've spent a lot of time um, in, the, in the extreme, when I say extreme wilderness, I'll say away from people recently and I'm a city boy um, I'm a little bit of a peacock you know I'm not a country boy uh, I'm not afraid to get dirty but I finally got away from the city for the first time in a way that I hadn't been except being in the middle of the ocean and when I'm in the middle of the ocean I'm on a ship with at least 500 other people and it's not exactly there's not exactly privacy and, and room for Zen out there but getting away from the city getting into the country I really felt like a different human being. I think we've all touched on that. I think we've all felt that peace or that, that, that little bit of rest that comes with a vacation. It's why we look forward to those things, because we set aside all of our worries and everything else. It was very meditative to set, set aside that portion of myself for about five days, especially given the last year. And it was so transformative to me that it just keeps adding to the fact that these little aspects of us that, sh- that bring us together, that show us the world at large, and, and that make us say yes instead of no, those are the things that I want, I want to try to bring forth to people. I want to try to share that aspect of this with people, that we have to open our minds and our hearts to truly understand ourselves before we're ever going to be able to understand this. I, I, in, in my personal opinion, I think that goal right there is even more important than finding evidence about uh, UFOs. I think if people can... I uh, I had this thought, man, and it was really profound, and it just slipped away as soon as I started to talk about it. I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. And and this is why I wanted Sean involved in this, because for me, I, I I would not have even considered that as a possibility. I literally want to go out and I want to shoot lasers at Gobekli Tepe. <laughs> I, I want to, I want to shove 
uh, radiation into places that it shouldn't be shoved <laughs> and, and see if we can, we can not... How American of you. <laughs> Maybe not those places, but I want to do the nuts and bolts research to, to see... I, I, I don't want to take peyote and, and sit in a sweat tent and, and see that my spirit animal is a penguin. Yeah. I, I, I know, do. That, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be happy with the penguin aspect. but um. <laughs> that, that to me is not where I'm, my enticement is. But I think this story, I think it needs both sides yes, of that. I agree. Well, and, and I, I've, had to, um, I've had to really accept... It, it takes a lot to be the chill guy in the group. And I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm quite there yet. But um, I, I need... He, he to... says this as he's sitting in the lotus position. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm really excited. This is going to embarrass Jeremy. But I'm really excited to see people watch Jeremy discover what it means to be human. And I'm not saying that he doesn't right now. but I don't think I do. I'll I'll straight up admit it. I don't know what it is to be human. And I I think that that's probably out of the 8 billion people on this planet. Yeah. I think that's the common answer. I think that if you and I came out of this, and I know you wouldn't agree with me, but if you and I came out of this experience together with a better understanding of, of being okay in our own skin and able to look out for more folks together than just ourselves. I, and I'm not, again, I'm not implying anything. I think if the two of us came out of this journey with those skills, we won. But I'm the artsy fartsy one, so. As long as I get to shoot lasers that go badly tapping. Okay, but you got it. But if if they crash, you're helping me resuscitate those fools, and you better say sorry. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. All right. You know, I mean, that actually is a, as weird as this sounds for me to say this out loud, there is a possibility that you guys will see some kind of a craft. Well, we're putting ourselves in UAP's way. Yeah. I won't say harm's way, but we're, we're going to go out there yeah. and go, come at me, bro. Has, has that actually gone through your, your minds? And I like, think we've both gone to our wives and basically asked permission to go do something pretty stupid. Yeah. yeah I, I wouldn't... <laughs> my, my wife has 100% veto power over, <laughs> over everything. And, and she said, as long as I don't bring anything home... She's okay with me doing whatever. Both of us are aware that there are two American service members on disability for being in proximity of a UAP. That's another fact that a lot of people just completely missed out of the TV show uh, Unidentified. Yep. Um, we're all, he and I are also aware that, as also mentioned on that show, that the Italian military was successful in getting around a, a depleted uranium round through to strike one of these things. Now, that's not going to make a lot of experiencers happy. Um, but I'm, I'm, Jeremy and I are announcing now to all UAP in the vicinity that if they would like to meet with us, my email is mintyhyperspace at gmail.com, and we'd be happy to. Yeah, yeah. And my, my laser is 520 nanometers. So, you know, if, if they want to get it bounced off their shiny little metal ass... I'll be more than happy to point it at him. Just um, tune your active camouflage to that frequency and then come on down to meet us. Yeah. Don't radiate in the gamma and we'd be happy to bring snacks. Uh, if they're here, if they're poking us, if they're teasing us, if they're twisting us around, I want to poke and tease and twist right back. Yeah. I want to show them that enough is enough. If you want to say hi, 
use your words. Yeah. The natives are going to start throwing rocks. You know. <laughs> We're the natives, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to fight, but we want you to come down and talk to us, please. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, this this goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think it's it's events and activities and and things like this where people go out and try to become proactive that we're never going to get the disclosure from the government. But I think that there's a damn good chance that we're going to bring disclosure to the government. The declassification apparatus is either glacially slow or it's a nuclear option that's used by people who want something. I think as, as long as information keeps coming out of that apparatus that's able to, to encourage folks like us to, to look into repeatability, and to see where can we refine some of these practices and, and, and make them repeatable, record them, bring them to folks and say, look, you can go do this. Here's how we did it. Here's all of our evidence. Now you go do it. If we do that enough times, this is going to be the status quo. It's no longer going yeah. to be the fringe. Yeah. Yeah. If, um, what, would, what would make you guys absolutely stop this project? cold you know no longer continue in the pursuit of this endeavor i easily i mean the easy answer right there is if something endangered our families um i'll of course let jeremy speak for himself i mean that's pretty much a a no-brainer right there for me if i found out that i was complicit somehow in duping people um if i was part of something that was obfuscating the truth, um, that was curtailing people's humanity or rights, um, I, would, I would turn on this thing in a minute. Uh, the, one of the first questions I asked Lou Elizondo when we got the, the microphones off on the pier that day, is I said, are we the, I looked him right in the eye and I took all of my acumen and interrogation and interview and I asked him very nonchalantly, are we the good guys? And I read him for everything I could. And I spent a long time with our friendship at a certain arm's length while I, because I felt like I had an obligation to the world as one of the people who was close to this, this person who'd come out with these new ideas and, and things for us. And Lou doesn't want the attention, I understand that, so I won't perseverate on it. But I needed to find out for other folks. And that's, that's a little narcissistic for me to put that all on my shoulders. I'm not going to lie about that. But... I felt like I didn't know if there's anybody else that was going to be able to do that. And, and I was there in 04, and I knew all the principles, and I saw all of the, the same data, and I was up on the bridge and saw some weird stuff in the sky. So I was in a unique position to be that, that I don't want to say truthful lightning rod, but I was like, I immediately came out the gate and was like, if there's any BS in this, dude, you can be sure I'm going to broadcast. Lou's never lied to me. He has, he, and, and he's, he has, man, he's a good friend. He's a hell of a professional. I really hope we get the chance to work together in the future more. I, I know that we're going to be working on a few projects, but I'd, I'd really like to, to really, really see what that guy has to tell us when he's, when he's really unfettered and has nothing in the way. For me, there's only two things that would, prevent me from from going forward with this aside from everything that Sean said Um, and it's not just things that would hurt my family Uh, throughout history recorded human history there are 
tons of anecdotal evidence about what happens to humanity when the gods are challenged and civilizations are wiped off the map. Uh, I don't want to piss off Zeus and have him decide that now is a really good time to hit the reset button on humanity. Uh, so if if that even becomes a remote possibility, I'm 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 done. Uh, the other thing is is if if somehow we find out that all of this is real, but not in the way that we thought, and this is terrestrial based United States Defense Department technology that is keeping us safe from some boogeyman in some nation state. I'm shutting the hell up. Good answer. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. All of it. Uh, so I think that's a great place to end it. Is there anything else you guys wanted to share? The, the only thing that I want to say is if any of your listeners happen to be a purchasing officer for Netflix, uh, let us know. <laughs> Copy that. <laughs> Okay, uh, well, then uh, all I have to say is best of luck in your endeavors. Be safe. Amen. And, man, go shake hands with E.T. Thank you, brother. I'm trying to. Thank you guys for doing this. Appreciate it very much. It's been a pleasure. Always. Appreciate you.